1: Chilling with us and hanging out with us on another Wednesday evening, this fine Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. EST for Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show in which me and my wonderful co host
2: talk about hey, It's the mayor of Slamtown, Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, F.K.a. John Morrison, sometimes known as. Johnny Gimmick Name, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks
1: Alliance. This is going to be a long night, I can just tell. (laughs) 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 Uh, Blog talk, love you, but since I pay for this whole entire service, let me say that your friggin' board sucks sometimes. Uh, Anyways, yeah, that was actually supposed to happen right at the start of the show, after the intro. And I even exited out of the the, the 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 little studio program that I have to do this whole entire thing. I'm, I'm just giving you guys some insider shit right now. So I plugged a Johnny interview, but apparently it was off time. So I said, screw it, and started the show. And, of course, then John Morrison does his wonderful plug, which we thank Johnny Gimmick name for, for uh, coming on here. Not too long ago when doing an uh, interview, the uh, Impact World Heavyweight Champion himself. Either way, great start. Uh, yeah, Christopher Ray Patton, he's also here. Chris, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing great, man. Even though I thought when you uh, you said you, you, you're wonderful co-host and then John Morrison came on, I thought I was replaced. I was like, fuck. But then I realized it was John Morrison. I couldn't be too upset. And, well, I would replace me too if it was with John. Uh, all, all jokes aside, um, I'm having a good having a good week, man. Uh, how about you, bud?
2: I'm just
1: I I, I, t- I told Chris this. I'm I'm so close with with my uh, my actual day job uh, of being on break that I can like taste the end of the shift Friday, if that makes sense. Like the air that I will come out to when I hit my car, and is like, yeah,
2: motherfucker.
1: Either way. Until then, we've had another week of wrestling. And, of course, you guys tune in to, uh, you know, talk to us or at least listen to us talk about professional wrestling. So, you know, we we have some uh, discussing to do, Chris, as far as uh, what we thought about TLC and a little bit of the uh, the quote-unquote new start to Ron SmackDown and how we feel about that. But, but first... Um, I would like to talk about one of our sponsors for the show. This is a, a very, very easy thing um, for anyone that, you know, goes to any type of sporting event, and he's, you know, and whether it be baseball, football, professional wrestling, whatever, you know, anyone that goes to any type of theater performance, maybe the opera,
2: maybe a concert,
1: see a rock band, or, or a hip-hop act, that doesn't suck, which you'd have to go and listen to ones previous, but whatever. I'm not going to get into that. Either way. We have a new promo with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is an awesome app. Uh, They give you the best prices and information uh, for tickets. Um, And you basically, like I said, you download the SeatGeek app. Uh, If you use the code geekvibes, all in one word, G-E-E-K-V-I-B-E-S, you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's SeatGeek as in? little seat like, you know, what you sit on in Geek, just like Geek Vibes, so think about it. If you're going to go to a concert or anything, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Maybe you're going to see the Nutcracker um, theatrically. No, not theatrically. Live The You know what I'm trying to say. Use this app. Get $20 off. You guys help us, and we get to help you save a couple bucks. So, I'm just going to throw that out to you. Alright, let's move on to talk about some, some Ring of Honor Related, uh, you know uh, News, Chris So we have the final battle um, In which (laughs) Weird, Cody lost To Jay Lethal for the title This was, of course, if you guys didn't know The last pay-per-view for um, Basically the Elite Um, Kenny's not a full-time Member, he's kind of like a guest member Through New Japan, so we're talking about Cody, the Young Bucks Matt and Nick Jackson uh, Adam Page and, um, and, of, and, of course, Cody. And also, this was, I believe, SoCal's uh, last pay- pay-per-view. So uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, they all made their goodbyes and everything. And um, pay-per-view was awesome. Uh, basically, the conversation that we're going to be having today, me and Chris, uh, is talking about the future of Ring of Honor, because they have a lot of stuff now. You know, they've already grabbed Jeff Cobb. They just grabbed PCO and um, and Brody King. And actually, Marty Skrull, who's still around for, I think I think his contract's up in April. I'm not 100% sure on that. But he just formed his own group called the Villain Enterprise with PCO and Brody King. We also know that, uh, you know, a AAA wrestler, and he was also in All In Bandito. And um, who's the new one? Mike Johnson, or it was uh, Mark... Yeah, Mike Johnson from PW Insider reported that Ring of Honor has signed international superstar Mark Haskins. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know who Mark Haskins is. Um, Chris might. I have no clue. I haven't talked to him about this. Uh, but whoever they're grabbing, it seems beforehand, you know, with your with your Birdie King, your PCO, and your Bandito, they're realizing they had to transition into a new direction. Um, it's just – there's a lot of stuff happening and I don't even know if Marty, I mean, if, if, if we are under the impression that all elite wrestling is going to happen and that's, that's something that, that they're doing right now, um, in which I really think that they're actually going to be working with new Japan. Like all the guys said great things about ring of honor and their goodbye, like little Twitter things and everything, you know, just the nicest stuff. But I feel like they're going to have interaction with other companies, but I don't think ring of honor is probably going to be one of them. I don't know. Um, Either way, Ring of Honor is definitely having a shakeout. Um, oh, wow, that's going to go for another person I will never, ever do one of the promos with uh, for Vince McMahon. That's not happening either. Um, but, yeah, Final Battle kind of starts, you know, the end of that. It's ending an era for Ring of Honor itself, you know, this generation with the Elite, and we're about to start a new one. Um, and, you know, I mean – Within it, you think about like the people that they have in there, and I already said Jeff Cobb was one of the newer members as well. But you got like Kenny King, and you got uh, Matt Taven. Uh, you know Marty Skrull still in there. Flip Gordon, obviously Jay Lethal. Uh, the Briscoes aren't going anywhere. There's definitely stuff to be. Re- uh, Dalton Castle. You know, there's definitely certain things that they can do. But I think the Ring of Honor is going to do fine. Um, Chris, how do you feel about? all of this, the new members that are coming, uh, the new, uh, you know, faction with Marty Skrull, PCO and Brody King and the loss of, of, of the roster for ring of honor, uh, you know, going to the future, what do you think they're going to do?
3: Well, I mean, they, they've lost a lot of talent over the past year. Uh, There's no good way to say that. Um, Obviously it's going to change up the top of that card quite a bit. Uh, SoCal being gone, Shakes up the tag division. I think it's good that you're getting Marty Stroll in his new,
2: uh,
3: newly formed gang of men faction, so to speak. Um, I think all, I think all that's interesting stuff. Uh, Mark, uh, I believe you, you talked about Mark Haskins. Um, I don't know a whole lot of his work. I've, I've seen him work in uh, Progress, uh, particularly when he faced off against Ricky and Zack Saber Junior. And I know he's had some matches with Brent Devitt. Mm-hmm. He was in, uh the British, uh, British independence. seat. I don't know exactly where that falls. Uh, I think it was maybe NGW, maybe, I want
2: to say. Uh,
3: so I've, I've seen some Toro of his work, but he, he, he's, uh, he's not someone that I've followed heavily. I think it's good that they're starting to grab guys and try to rebuild this roster. I do think they're going to go through a little bit of a dry spell, Um they're still in good shape with you know Jay Lethal and the Bristol brothers being there and Dalton Castle. There's things for them to build around. I guess the big question is: Are they going to be able to bring in um, more talent, and how they flesh that card out uh, around the talent they're able to bring in? I think. I think last time I was on the show, we talked about you know I think PCU is a great get, and uh, some of the some of the recent talent they picked up is good. But they're you know, losing the young bucks. That's a big draw for them, and, and also splitting apart. Cody Rhodes and Lee, Matt Page, and those guys be gone. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it affects them overall as a business and, and whether or not it's a huge deal. It's going to be uh, all things to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's just, there's a lot of stuff
1: that goes into it, man. You know, a lot of these, I, I don't want to say I feel bad because I don't think anything bad's going to happen to Ring of Honor. But, I mean, they did just sell out. Uh, Madison Square Garden, obviously, recently, and that's going to be happening WrestleMania weekend. We've we been talked about WWE moving NXT to Friday. I think partially, you know, realizing they should move, they they shouldn't have that at the same time. Um, but at the same, but you know, what goes along with it is the fact that I think that most of the fans thought that the elite was going to be included in that, which they still have time. What I'm trying to get at is. PCO and Brody King left MLW to come to this, and I I hope the best for everything. It seems like they're getting a lot of signees. What I'm trying to say is since they're having to rebuild, the popularity that they had was with, you know, a lot of the elite members, their interaction with New Japan, all that type of stuff was bringing a lot of eyes to Ring of Honor, arguably since, you know, the times of Brian Danielson, Tyler Black, and a lot of the guys that are now on the main roster of WWE. Um, Sinclair, you would hope you would want them to put more money into the product so it can get bigger. Uh, I would even say, compare, like if you're just talking about production level right now and you watch Impact even compared to Ring of Honor, I think that there is a huge difference. Um, But should Sinclair really try to put more money into it, if they've just lost a, a, one of the things that we're keeping eyes on the product, if you will. Uh, I think they're going to be fine, and they're always going to be a niche company and do their thing, but do you think Ring of Honor, as a company should be worried at all because of all this?
3: I mean, I would be worried if the pay-per-views don't start or if they're streaming pay-per-views tend to not do it That would be the big concern. Um, the Madison Square Garden show. I'm wondering if a lot of, if some of those elite wrestlers are already locked into that show, uh, and I'm assuming they're still going to trade talent with New Japan. I just, I, it seems more like there's not, you know, there's no Ring of Honor contract stipulations that would prevent them from doing anything else. So I, you're probably still going to see a crossover of talent. I don't think New Japan and Ring of Honor are going to stop doing their, uh, what was it, Super Card of Glory or. The, basically the international thing they do and Sinclair Broadcasting I think they see it as a niche market In in a way it is Ring of Honor has a cult based Fans that have kind of been there for forever And will always be Ring of Honor fans And I don't think that's a bad way to look at it There's definitely things to be Coming up on their production And then obviously revamping those wrestlers uh, Getting new talent in All of that is good things That will help their brand They're just not to me the the top level star there the top level stars there probably being Briscoe's and G lethal They don't put them in a in a really good really good element to succeed if they don't really have anyone to face and um they're not getting promoted on on a, a basis. I feel like Ring of Honor was bigger I, I would say three or four years ago than it is currently. I, I think I feel like the T V show is a little better and it's a little easier to access in a lot of markets. When I first took over, I couldn't even watch Ring of Otter in Georgia, and now it's, uh, it shows up on a bunch of local networks. And there's different ways to access. Obviously, you can always find that stuff online if you really want to reach out for it. But it, it's 69. The channels you used to get for free as the kid. Didn't get um, so I, I, it depends on what we mean by putting more money into it. I, you know, I don't. I see them getting more independent wrestlers signings like Mark Haskins. The biggest problem they have is that WWE signed up a lot of the talent and the other really great talent see to run Impact in Japan at this, at this point. Um, so it, it it almost comes down to them making deals with other companies to trade talent back and forth and, and how well they can do that. Um, you know, whether that be with MLW or with Impact or
2: however they want to work
3: that out. But yeah, it's it's... It's it's going to be weird because it's hard to build long-term storylines around stuff.
2: Yeah,
1: no, I agree with you. it just the question's kind of there still. Um, but, I mean, the fact that they're throwing in the mix people like Bandito and and uh, PCO and, and, and some of these random awesome wrestling entities uh, that the WWE hasn't grabbed or – isn't a part of another thing it is awesome. And it shows another direction and generation for ring of honor. But, uh, still there's a lot to find out. Um, I don't think there's much reason for me and Chris really to speculate about, uh, all elite wrestling. I mean, we pretty much speculate until we we're blue in the face. There seems to be little progression of now. There's more confirmation that all of them are done with ring of honor Uh, They've all hinted at it, and there's going to be an announcement apparently in January. If you watch, being the elite, so there's really nothing else to talk to about that once we know, since we don't have enough information basically to like try to make even conversation. So either way, I think it's kind of uh, time to talk about another company that uh, apparently is going in different directions, Chris. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, They're called the WWE. Um, but yeah, before we do that, we're going to talk with, uh, w- about one of our sponsors, an amazing, uh, sponsor, and I'm going to it to the American dream himself, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty, take it away.
2: Thank you, baby. This episode is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery heated clothing, daddy. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panel similar to a heated car seat, Daddy. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours on each charge, baby. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your Oh, and any other gadget when you're wearing them. Perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, like the coal mine workers and all the construction workers and all the blue collar workers of America who work outdoors in the cold, daddy, having hard times. They'll be a perfect person to get. This wonderful product of Action Heat, skiers, snowboarders, or anybody that loves the outdoors but hates the cold, Daddy. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and lounge on Daddy. Like I said, you can stay warm and cozy, from head to toe, with action heat. Unless you're with flair, and then you can fuck off. Action heat is available in men's and women's, Daddy, and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action heat is perfect solution to keep you toasty, warm, and fresh, Daddy, on the most fresh, frigid winter weather. Heated products, that fit everyone's budget, baby. Even if you're a blue-collar worker, baby, starting at just $39.99. We've got a deal for our listeners to save 20% off their entire order. Just go to actionheat.com/geek to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com/geek G E E K, daddy. Or use the coupon code Geek at checkout to save 20% off your order. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter, baby. With Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring our panel calls. Back to you, Dave.
1: Thanks, Dust. I appreciate that. Um, And I also obviously appreciate Action Heat for sponsoring us. Um, I am someone, like I said earlier, that works in a warehouse for, uh, I'm a shipping manager of a t-shirt company, and I work in a warehouse. And, yes, we have heat in there, but it can get pretty damn cold. And I have the long johns and the socks, and they keep me wonderfully warm. I would definitely recommend this product for anyone of our listeners. Remember, just use the promo code. You either go ashtonheat.com geek, like geek vibes, or you use the promo code geek uh, when you sign up and you get 20% off your first purchase. That's pretty awesome. All right, let's move
2: on to TLC.
1: As soon as I can find the link for it. I'm not trying to stall on time at all. I mean, I'm just talking. Um, either way, Daddy, how, how, how did you like that um, that wonderful promo by Dusty Rhodes? Wasn't that so nice of him, Chris? Man,
3: I'm not going to lie to you. I thought uh, I, I thought that you were possessed or that he was trying to, tell us all about actually the, uh, you know, electromagnetic frequencies, because that's how ghosts communicate. watched uh, ghost on, i going to have your EMG reader and put down a little flashlight so that they can communicate yes or no back to you by turning it on and off. Uh, instead, he just came straight to the phone. Hit you right in the eardrum.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. No, I completely agree with you. Um, it was wonderful having in this room to hang out with. Uh, hit me in the head with his <laughs> elbow, but uh, he's a ghost, so nothing really happened. Um, either way, uh, it was fun having him uh, do action. And, and guess what, guys? Uh, for some reason, Macho Man Randy Savage and Triple H will never ever do promos. Uh, they, they were bad, and I can't have them back. Let's just put it that way. I.e. it kills my voice. Alright! TLC had 12 <laughs> fucking matches, so we better get into this thing. Um, First two, actually, were both pretty good matches. Well, the first one was a good match. The second one was whatever. Uh, But the Cruiserweight Championship match, uh, Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander. I mean, Chris, it's great that the last couple pay-per-views, they've been on the main card. They're back down. Uh, I know that 205 is not doing good. I think it was 17 in the ratings last week uh, on the network. And um, I could see them if you can't already see the transitions of the Lucha party coming to raw, uh, Ali coming to SmackDown. I think they're going to grab the guys they like and slowly start condensing two Oh five into nothingness, which sucks because if you actually watch and keep up with it, the wrestling quality is pretty damn fun. Um, specifically for that style, but either way they opened up, these guys are both really good in the ring. We've seen them do their thing. We just, you know, we saw them at the uh, showdown in Australia uh, I really like Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander, but they just had, like, a match that you've seen them have uh, quite a few times. So nothing really stuck, uh, stood out to me. Uh, Murphy retained the championship by doing the Murphy's Law after getting out of a Lombard check. How did you like this match?
3: I thought the match itself was fine. It, it, I mean, it just felt like uh, the same match that they've had. You know, the, basically what you said, we've seen it a bunch. Um, I think it sucks for 205 Live. They really needed someone in the top position. Uh, I think when Neville was there, obviously, and Austin Aries was there, recognizable names went a long way. Not that uh, Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander aren't recognizable, but I don't think they're quite on the same level as an as Austin Aries or a a Neville and,
1: and the brand oh, is kind of tough. Oh, stubborn. are they not on the Neville level, Chris? Are you saying they're not on the Neville level?
3: They're not Sorry, on the I have Neville level. Um, and I, I tend to agree with you, but I've been saying that for a while, and 205 Live must not cost very much to produce, so I don't know. Maybe it'll stick around. Maybe we'll see a condensed version of it. What I wouldn't want to see is them just get thrown onto to either Raw or SmackDown and Lost in the Shuffle, much like the U.S. title.
1: Yeah, uh, I think Sonic the Hedgehog has it, um, from what Rusev said. <laughs> that was a good version, the way. Saying that Shinsuke looks like Sonic the Hedgehog in that fucking outfit. I laughed. I, I definitely I, I uh Yeah. Guitar ladder not Hey, you know what makes a lot of sense is putting stuff on a on a on a on a pole or, or on, you know, a ladder match for an object like a guitar. Oh, Jesus Christ. Either way. Elias defeated Bobby Lashley. Uh they had do you have two guys, honestly, that shouldn't be in a fucking ladder match? I don't think that Elias or Bobby, and, you know, honestly, I like um, I like Elias a lot. I think he has uh, a lot of time to improve, but Bobby's even more. And, I mean, for Bobby's size, this doesn't make sense. He's more, I think, uh, crisp than Elias is half the time. I'm just saying it was a clunky, weird match to have this. We knew it was going to have some type of spot with Leo Rush. It wasn't anything that lackluster. And then afterwards, he climbed the top, got the uh, the thing. Bobby lost, but then they beat the crap out of him. Uh, all right, cool. Elias got hit by a guitar. There's guitar hitting. I don't know if you've watched Edge and Christian's show, Chris, but they had a uh, they had a thing with Elias, and he was on like the uh, like they were making fun of The Voice, and they basically told him that he had to like change his style up, and they were all giving him advice, and at the end of it, they turned him into honky tonk man pretty funny. Either way, that was more entertaining than this match. How did you like this match?
3: Um, I'm very confused on what the actual rules of this match was because I I assumed that you had to hit the person with the guitar because they always do this. (laughs) Simply pulling the guitar off of the pole does not mean you win the match but apparently it does. So uh, that confused me. And then also, if you're going to do these on a pole matches, why, why didn't they just put Leo Rush on a pole and go full WCW with it at this point? You <laughs> have if Elias catches him first. He gets to put an ass whipping on him. And Bobby Lashley is trying to protect his little buddy. Like, why didn't they go that route? Like, I have no idea, but they should have. I feel I, You know what sucks is Drake Maverick and Leo Rush are both not great at being managers but would be really good as wrestlers on 205 Live and both have a lot of personality. They should probably use them on the brand that we were just talking about before this match. Let's go with that.
1: Oh uh, God, man! I mean, it, just for the hell of it, just to, just just as a joke, just you know, just to fuck with us, basically. Can't they just put like Judy Bagwell? Just just pay her a bunch of money and have her fucking be on a goddamn pole again, instead of uh, I don't know. Anyways, all right, first match of the official TLC card. Uh, we had the finals that no one gave a shit. Of uh R Truth and Carmella going against Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. Um I love R Truth and Carmella together. I think that they're great. I have no problem with them winning this and getting the thirty spots. I feel like they're gonna do some shenanigans where R Truth somehow gets screwed out of his thirty spot, which they do and they make it funny. I think that our truth I think he likes his role. I think he's still relevant and he should be. He's great in the ring, great on the mic, has charisma for days. And Carmella, I think, has bounced back uh, after being not an unsuccessful heel, but much more lackluster. She's gotten better in the ring too. Her, uh, her, um, I thought Alicia Fox just was terrible in this match. I'm sorry, she was all over the fucking place. But at the end, they had like a little bit of weirdness, and then Carmella got her in that new finisher she has, and I actually do like the finisher. Well, here's the kicker: they win it, and they have this new, you know, um, this new vacation that they can go to. And R-Truth already told them if they won, what, where he wanted them to go. And they're going to the WWE uh, Center in, uh, in Sanford, Connecticut. I thought it was funny. It was cute. I don't remember the match at all. I don't give a shit. I, I, I remember Alicia doing really bad. That's about it. But uh, go R-Truth and Carmella. Yeah. Chris, uh, are you that enthusiastic about this?
3: No, I'm not enthusiastic about this at all. T- like at all, this is a this is a waste of fucking time. This is a waste of my time. Like, it didn't matter at all, and all it's gonna do is end up with a funny segment where Archie Carmela goes to Like they should have just did this on SmackDown or on the pre-show. I mean, I don't have a problem with R-Truth and Carmella. I actually like r Troop a lot. I really liked him a lot when he was in uh, T.A. 2006, fun killings, for instance. Um, I think he had a good run when he had a shoot John Cena, but outside of that, he has been relegated to a comedy wrestler.
2: And that's fine.
3: There's a spot for it, but, uh, I don't know, combining comedy plus Carmella plus Jinder Mahal plus Alicia Fox is bad. So I dislike that.
1: No soup for you. All right, um, really wasn't that great. Oh Uh the next match is a triple threat match that I have to admit I was expecting more out of. Um, I don't think they're going to do this now, especially with the shakeup that we'll talk about later. But Bully Ray said that this match he thought should have been a should have been one of the TLC matches because he felt that the three teams themselves had a very similar similar chemistry as he compared that, him, the Hardys, and Edge Christian did. Something that, you know, a lot of people said before him, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, and the Road Warriors had. Um, and they would have been able to show off a lot more. This very much felt to me a greatest hits tag match. You can't do a lot in this style tag. I thought it was fine. I, don't get me wrong, but at the end of it, Seamus caught Xavier Woods with the broke kick uh, mid-springboard, and they retained the championships, and it was... Kind of quick, I, I don't know how long this match was But if they gave this like a little bit of length of time And gave it a TLC match They could have probably done some really crazy Amazing shit like they usually do And now, kind of thankfully It seems like they're going to split up The tag division more on SmackDown And get with some of the other teams So the potential of seeing the three of these Teams together Doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon um, Chris, how did you feel about this match?
3: I thought the match itself was fine. I tend to agree with you, and I guess I guess Bully Ray, uh, as far as this should have been one of the TLC matches. I don't think anyone needed to see Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin in a TLC match. That could have just been a regular match. Um, obviously, if this match was a TLC match, you would have had you know, four TLC matches on the card. I'm guessing that's why they did that, but I would much rather have the Bar, the New Day, and the Usos in a TLC match than Braun Strowman. The match itself was fine. I think uh, people were expecting a little bit more because of the tag teams that were in there. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I, I enjoyed it, and I'm fine with the bar retaining. Obviously, the use the they used of in a new day. They won the title and have held the title for a long time, so it, it's good to see the bar getting a little bit of a run. I was going to be curious to see if they that shake up coming. Absolutely. All right, the next
1: match... Uh, was the TLC match you were just talking about, the one that was kind of pointless. Braun Strowman defeated Baron Corbin. Everyone fucking said, Braun's not going to be there, Baron's going to fucking get it, blah, 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 blah. Nope, wrong. Strowman showed up and announced that since it's a TLC match, anything goes, duh. So Apollo Crews, Bobby Roode, Chad Gable, and Finn Balor showed up with steel chairs to keep Corbin in the ring. He Slater took off his referee shirt. That probably didn't help him in the long run, but that's all right. And attacked Corbin. Everyone beat the shit out of Corbin with chairs, causing him to escape. Before he could leave, Kurt Angle showed up to stop him. Everyone did their signature moves of Corbin. Slater put his referee shirt back on, and Storman pinned Corbin with one foot. I don't even remember if there was a fucking ladder in this goddamn thing. I don't even know why it was a TLC match because it was the pinning type. Uh, per the pre-match stipulations, Strowman now gets a universal championship match against Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble, and Corbin is no longer the general manager-elect, which, by the way, for the millionth time, you can't be an elect if no one Elect. never mind. Uh, the general manager-elect of Raw. I, everyone, when they had their chairs, I think it was funny. Um, I might have just been thinking this, but it was like Paula Cruz like, yeah, we're going to get him. And then it goes to Bobby and Jack Abel, like, yeah! And then it goes to Finn Balor, and he was like, thank God I have another fucking match on this fucking card. Um, Chris, how did you love this this uh, match and, and the burying of Baron Corbin? Baron
3: you know, it, I, I just don't understand why why six faces were all attacking one heel, I guess, and what that does to help Braun Strowman. And how it's supposed to make us hate Baron Corbin. Like, I don't fucking get it. I don't. It's good to see Kurt Angle back. I'll take that out of this match. It's nice seeing Kurt Angle show up.
2: Um, and
3: I guess Slater is not a referee or is a referee? So,
2: he got I kids! It
3: was, fucking, it was terrible. <laughs> I'm sure that Heath Slater's kids also thought this was terrible.
2: Daddy, I got something to tell you. That match sucked.
3: All
1: right, next match. A table. Um, Natalia and Ruby Riot. Uh, so, if you guys weren't keeping up, Ruby Riot put a decal, uh, a head sticker of Jim Neidhart on a table and said that she was going to put Natalia right through it. So, throughout the course of the match, Liv Morgan goes through a table, basically. Sarah Logan goes through a table. They're out. Uh, and then powerbombed Riot, uh, or, or she, she powerbombed Riot through the table with Ruby Riot's decal that she unveiled throughout the match, and she won the match. It was a wonderful time. I didn't really give a shit about this match. I love Natalia. I really like uh, Ruby Riot. I think they're kind of wasting her. Um, yeah, this was whatever. I just, I, I know the wrestler mentality. But it's just weird when someone's dead, and it's like they, they make – I mean, this is kind of like the same thing with a lot of shit they do. We're not even dead with uh, Roman Reigns' case, you know, with uh, recovering with cancer and shit. But it's not so much tone deafness. It's just like I just did not care about this at all. And there were some cool table spots I've seen a million times, and Natalia won. Good for her. Uh, Chris, how, how did you take this match?
3: Uh, I thought it was fine for what it was. It wasn't anything special. I I tend to agree with you on the storyline aspect of it, but we've already bitched and buried about that so many times that I feel like we're just wasting air at this point. So I'm just going to say it was a decent match. Um, It was nice to see, you know, that's how you get a win. She doesn't win that often. All right on pay-per-views, at least. (laughs) So that was nice. Yeah. All
2: right, this is where I feel
1: like the pay-per-view started, like, kind of going up a notch. And I think it kind of increased throughout most of the matches following, but um, we had a match with Tim Balor and Drew McIntyre. My biggest problem with this is that the interference with Dolph Ziggler, I mean, either this is not going to mean shit, especially with their new direction, uh, apparently, that they're doing. You guys can see the air quotes I just did. Um, or this is going to end up with Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler, which I I really just don't give a shit about. Either way, I thought Finn and Drew were having a, a good match. Dolph Ziggler interfered. He super kicked McIntyre. Well, actually, McIntyre was destroying a Finn at this point and trying to hit him with a chair. McIntyre rolled Ziggler into the ring and carried the chair. Uh, to hit him, so Balor drop-kicked the chair into McIntyre's chest and hit the coup de grace to win. Uh, afterwards, basically, Drew McIntyre went to Finn Balor and was like, hey, man, I helped you. And Finn Balor's like, well, I didn't need your help. Well, oh, Actually, I wasn't squad. Well, I didn't need your help. All right, I shouldn't have done that. And they got in a fight. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> but the match wasn't bad. I just, they, I, I don't know what the fuck. Drew Drew McIntyre seems like someone that they, Sometimes I feel like they're pushing for their, their top heel and then it's like, no, never mind. And Finn, I've always felt like that with Babyface. He's just kinda like there. Dolph? Yeah. Alright, anyways, uh Chris, how'd you feel about this match? I
3: thought the match itself was good. Um not it would have been better if if you just had Drew squash Dolph at the beginning and then do the interference spot or something. I I don't know what's going on with the storyline. It makes sense with him interfering, but then to have him immediately attack Finn Balor afterwards when he's basically mad at Drew McIntyre, it's I don't know. They never know what they're doing with Dolph Ziggler. They don't know if he's a heel or if he's a face or what he actually ever is, and then they never stick with him. Like, either way. I mean, he's basically like the little big show as far as how they treat what's going on in his life on a, a fucking weekly basis. But uh, the match itself, I thought, was pretty well worked by Finn and, and Drew. There were some uh, nights, nice, but nothing nothing too crazy. I mean, I, I'm still not a huge fan of Drew McIntyre in the ring, and or just at all, actually. Uh, but I know a lot of other people like him, so I'll just just let that one go. Uh, there's, I, I think the takeaway from this is they don't really know what to do with Drew McIntyre right now, and I would go ahead and assume that he's going to be relegated to this spot with Finn Balor and Dolph Ziggler for at least a couple of months um, until they figure out something. And a lot of that has to do with the uncertainty of Braun and Roman and Brock and all of the other big guys that they have in the top of the roster, which will always
2: Definitely be a problem. Good. Yep. Um,
1: all right. So next, we had the chairs match. I'm gonna say right now, flat out, I think chairs match stipulation is fucking stupid. If it's a if you're are you saying that if they try in an extreme rule situation where you can use chairs, if they bring out a table, are you saying that they're disqualified? Like I don't really fucking understand that. I mean, can they go through the announce table? Is that okay? 'Cause that can happen in a normal match and they don't get disqualified for that. Please explain to me. Either way, Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio, who have chemistry, they've they've had feuds in the past. I think actually made a a stupid stipulation match actually pretty damn interesting. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, the back and forth. I like how ferocious this is honestly, I think what they were trying to go with with Jeff Hardy, but Jeff just can't and I mean He's kind of doing the same thing with Samoa Joe. Just can't be as aggressive as Ray was coming off uh, to match uh, Randy Orton's more stoic evilness, if you will, his Muah style. Um, either way, Orton tried to arc Mysterio onto a bed of chairs. Mysterio reversed it and then ran up and basically kind of uh, rolled him up uh, with the chairs—a uh, chair assist roll up, if you will—for the one, two, three. Um, yeah, like I said, I thought it was a pretty fun match. I don't think it was that long, but, uh, yeah, good shit. Chris, do I sound enthusiastic at all?
3: And yeah. I mean, I thought this was a really good match for what it was. I, like you said, I had a dumb stipulation. Um, obviously if chairs are legal, there's, I don't know what you do. If, if do you count them out, if they're outside the ring, do you, what is chairs? The only thing that's legal. I, it's a dumb stipulation. I agree with you. Um, that being said, I liked the finish. I did like the, uh, I, it was almost like a I don't it was almost a, I guess it was a, wee, like a kind of like a reverse sunset flip into a pin off a chair, and I don't know if he meant to go for her Karana or what, but it was it was kind of a neat pin I, I had never seen before, so that was cool. And then, um, you know, Ray Mysterio Jr. and Norton always have good matches against each other, so didn't really expect anything less. I think you could have pulled some other stuff off of this card, like, uh, Carmella Probably at this guitar match, uh, it moved some stuff around and, and gave them a little bit more time. Because I think this, out of all the matches except for the ones that I think that we're probably going to talk the highest about, which would be the, the one we're talking about next with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, and then probably the the main event, this was the best match. And it was one of the shorter ones. So it's going to be interesting to, to hear from you. But, I, yeah, I think given more time, they could have done more. And maybe just actual PLC matches with those two would have been good. Um, putting the U.S. title on Orton or Rey Mysterio and having that thing actually be on a pay-per-view probably would have been helpful for the SmackDown brand. But what the fuck do I know? Um, I'm just a wrestling fan. Right. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I agree with you. And I think that we're – I think we all continue to get good matches. You know, I think Randy's got a very effortless – uh, style like everything that he does it's nothing too fancy or anything like that and and Ray is very crisp and fast and when you put them together they just work well off each other so you know you got literally uh, you know one of the biggest baby faces in Ray and someone that's an amazing heel I, I think he's a better heel than baby with Randy so just works alright this next match I actually did not think if, if we're going top four, I mean, yeah, if we're going top four, I agree with the, with, with your order, and I think this was the fourth best match. Um, but uh, Ronda Rousey defeated Nia Jax. I think this was Nia's best match, um, and I thought Ronda has shown even more so how much she has improved, and she continues to improve, uh, and how impressive she was with, with some of her moves. That, that one thing where she, like, ran into her like the juggernaut and Nia just flipped right over her, like, good stuff, man. And, uh, yeah, she won. Uh, she, she, uh, countered the, uh, facebreaker punch, if you will, into an arm bar for a submission back victory. And then to put icing on the cake afterwards, you know, Nia's, like, you know, licking her wounds in the back. And Becky Lynch came up to her and was like, sandwich your chest, bitch. She didn't say that. She should have, though. That would have been awesome. But she basically said, keep my name out of your mouth and, uh, nailed her, punched her in the face. And it was great. Um, but, uh, yeah, H- how did you feel about this whole thing, Chris?
3: I really liked the Becky segment afterwards because they, they really drove home this whole point of Nia breaking her face as a character on Raw. As far as the match goes, uh, I thought it was decent. Um, I, Nia was fine. I think she was very careful in the ring, which I would be too. Uh, <laughs> I just want to hit Ronda the same way I hit yeah. Becky Lynch. That shit might happen to me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like... I Overall, I think it built Nia's character. You can set up a feud with uh, Becky and Nia in the future if you want. Obviously, uh, Ronda kept her streak. If they want to continue with the facebreaker thing, though, honestly, I would have had uh, – if they gave a shit about the rules, you could have easily just had Nia, Jacks close hand fist punch Ronda, and then you do a DQ. Um, you have Heath Slater referee this thing and then actually call the DQ for a close hand punch. And uh, that way, you know, technically Ronda keeps her title and hasn't actually lost. She would have won by DQ, and then you can set the feud up down in the future because I I don't see them finishing this out yet, so we're going to get more Ronda versus... uh, I don't know how many of these matches we can see before the flaws really start to show uh, between those two. I I think this one was fine. I don't know that I want to see this match multiple times on different pay-per-views.
1: Nope, I agree, man. Uh, they're lucky because their last match wasn't the one that, that got interrupted by um, Alexa at uh, at uh, Money in the Bank. Um, they didn't have a bad match to that. This, this was actually, I think, decent for the two of them. Keep them away from each other. Let them work with other people. But I am very happy that I continue to get more and more impressed by, um, well, the might I don't know why the fuck they give her so much goddamn dialogue. Like that's not that's not nice to do to anyone, just in general. Like that that's a lot of shit. But as far as in the ring, I think Ron has come a long way, and uh, I'm looking forward to what I think the WrestleMania match is with her and and the man uh, Becky. Uh, I think that's if that's the way they go. I think they're going to have an awesome match. It's going to be a big draw, and I kind of hope. I don't know if they're going to do it. if They're ballsy enough to, but I kind of hope that's the uh, the uh, main event because I think the women's division especially on SmackDown, is leading WWE right now. And it's crazy to think about that, especially with another, you know, this wasn't the main event. And honestly, I love that they went with the ladies for the main event of this. But this next match, this could have been the first pay-per-view in months uh, since they had the brand split pay-per-views where the WWE championship could have been the headliner, but it wasn't, and for good reason. Now, I don't know, I guess you needed the uh, the intercont- intercontinental title match to be the law match, and it ended up being that, which sucked, but we'll get to that. But either way, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, they had a great match. They had an awesome back-and-forth match. I think the intensity is a little bit out of their feud, not so much on Daniel Bryan's part. Not really on AJ's, I just don't think their feud, per se, is working as much as Daniel being a good heel and them being both great in the ring and being able to just... Work, amazing stuff. Um, so there was a couple hits with AJ and also, obviously, Mustafa Ali's um, finisher. I forgot what it's called. It's not the 450. It's a zero, whatever the fuck it is. It's a dumb name. But he nailed uh, Daniel Bryan in the head. I'm just – so that stuff does make me nervous. I'm never going to be not nervous when I see Dan O'Brien getting shots right in the head because I know, as a fan, that unfortunately it, it just, just one and it could be it. Um, so it just always is on my it's it's in my mind basically. Either way, Styles uh countered the running knee with a small package and Brian reversed the momentum to steal the pin with a small package of his own, qualifying that Daniel Bryan is in fact Mr. Small Package. So now we know who's messing with Edge and Christian's podcast every week. Um really, really random ins not inside joke, but um never mind. Don't worry about it. Chris how did you feel about this WWE Championship match? Save me.
3: I thought it was a really great match. I liked. I there's not really anything I could take away uh, from it negatively. I, I enjoyed it. I think that they have one more in them that that could be even better. The biggest thing here is trying to get AJ Styles over as the face. In my opinion, I, I think Daniel Bryan is an okay heel. The problem is, is the, the things that usually the heel is your, is completely opposite of your baby face. Like, dastardly. and, and Evil. And Daniel Bryan is literally just like, I'm a vegan. And uh, people that eat meat are dumb. And it's like, well, you know, that doesn't really make you a bad person. It just means you have a bad opinion. I, I need something more from Daniel Bryan's character. Because AJ Styles can't give you that as a face. Honestly. I Like, unless AJ Styles comes out and does, like, a stone cold Steve Austin impersonation, like while he's hunting a deer and drinking beer or something, you're not gonna get the opposite to counter what Daniel Bryan's putting down. So I feel like you're gonna feel this way about the feud um, in general as far as the out, what it actually means and, and how it goes. And and that was one of my the my main major fears with turning Daniel Bryan because I don't know that I don't know that enough people disagree with <laughs> some of his opinions <laughs> at this point in time in the world to make him a true heel. Um, even if he's over atop top and annoying about it, I mean he's, he's not saying anything that overly pissed me off or not saying anything that other people aren't already out there saying. Um, and if he dials it up any further he's just a com- he would become a comedy character. So that's that's difficult that's gonna be difficult for any face. Like one Daniel Bryan's one of the biggest baby faces of all time. He's playing this heel character. You already know that half the fans still are going to like Daniel Bryan no matter what. How do you get over that? And um, that's why I really thought like Samoa Joe would have been the route to go with the title because I, I thought you could have gatewayed some Samoa Joe. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting, and, and I like what Daniel Bryan's doing. I just don't know; I, he's not there for me yet as like a top heel. I think he's someone that can hold the title, but he comes more off like less. He comes off less of the heel than the mids because he's not that great at being annoying. And he's basically just talking about his principles in life to try to make you not like it. Um, and I'm assuming that's maybe where the small package stuff comes in. Like if he starts rolling up the tights in every match and winning by small package every match. But then again, do you want to see a bunch of matches where Daniel Bryan, your heavyweight champion is just winning by small package pins. And the answer to that is probably not.
1: Yeah, I just love that. Yeah, like you're saying, like we're supposed to, we're supposed to boo. I feel bad booing some of the stuff. Like, well, he's kind of right, you know. But I know that Vince is like,
3: hey, he's wrong. He's a villain,
1: of course. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. But uh, either way, yeah, I heard though. Spoiler warning. I guess it's not. This is a minor spoiler, but the recording for um, the SmackDown for Christmas. Uh, that Dan O'Brien starts off his promo telling everyone that, like AJ Styles' credibility, Santa Claus is also not real. So, kids, get over it. Or something to that
2: extent. So, uh,
1: yeah, uh, if he kind of comes up with that intensity, but I agree with you. Like, the, the stuff that he's, you know, laying into us about, yeah, he's like, oh, he's that guy. Like, all right, we get it, madam You're environmentalist. You like all that shit. But at the same time, it's not like stuff that we should be booing at all but either way we'll find out at least we get great matches with AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan and um I think Daniel Bryan slowly but surely will work out as a heel he's doing a better job as a heel than the guy involved in this next match I think and we talked about this already and I love Dean Ambrose and I'm a big fan of one yeah I think you're the one who showed me John Moxley, his old stuff from uh, CZW, and watching his promos, like a bunch of them on there, and and seeing the intensity in him. And, no, he's not the crispest wrestler. He's a good wrestler. He's a good in to ring hand, but he's more... He's, he's kind of... Like, I don't want to compare him to Stone Cold, because I hate that, but, like, the same way that Steve was when he was a brawler. He doesn't care if he's crisp. He's just, like, someone that's coming out every direction. And I think that him and fucking Seth Rollins had a really boring-ass match. And... I don't think it was as horrible as some people were were, were were shitting on it. And I think that the crowd did start chanting, this is boring during a rest lock, but it was for like two seconds. And some of the outlets were broadcasting like they, they heard that the whole entire fucking match. There was a Becky chant, which was pretty funny. And I'm glad Seth Rollins ended up saying something about it on Raw, saying that he was not happy with it and he doesn't want to let the fans down. But it's a lot of pressure to put on someone anyways. It sucks that it doesn't seem like Dean is working out as a heel, and it doesn't really seem like the two of them are having chemistry not only as a a feud but actually in ring as well. And it looks like we'll still get some more match out of this because unless they're they're changing the course of things, and I have no idea. Well, if, if rumors are true and they're not changing the course of things, I should say, Seth's going to be going after Brock for Mania for the universe title and this is a way to get it away from it apparently from what Dave Metzler said Vince was furious about the outcome of this match and how the audience perceived it and uh, this might have been I I, I don't know one of the reasons why they did what they did on Raw and Smackdown basically Uh, or at least added a layer to it um, how did you like this match? I don't think it was as bad as some people say, but it really wasn't that great of a match between two guys I like a lot. Uh, I'm,
3: I mean, I think I think the big thing is Dean Ambrose, this is his first real, to me, his first real match back since, since turning heel, right? And they've kind of kept, kept him sheltered a little bit. I think he's had some good promos. But the way, a lot of the things he does in the ring we've seen, Um, or already, I kind of wish he would have came back with something a little more vicious, a little more uh, demented, so to speak. Similar to what we've talked about with Bray Wyatt's past. Dialing it up to maybe, you know, an older school heel type mentality. Uh, Even if you want to go more modern, like someone like Brian Kendrick using the uh, turnbuckle to hurt people, uh, like the, the actual metal Cabling between the turnbuckle and the uh, ring post, like stuff like that. I think he should add into his character to really embrace being a heel. Also, I don't know that people really bought into the storyline. Um, I think the heel turn was a little just out of place. I feel like people think that they turned Daniel or they turned him heel. They turned Dean Ambrose heel because uh, Roman Reigns got sick with leukemia. And I think that kind of just leaves a negative taste in the fans mouth. So unless the match is going to be really, really good, they're not going to apologize for the storyline. Also, it just suffers from where it was placed on the card. Um, It had to go on after AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, which probably should have been your main event or your opening match, in all honesty, uh, because it's going to be really hard to follow that in general. And uh, they didn't step it up. They didn't really dial it up a notch. And I don't know that Daniel – or not Daniel Bryan, but I don't know that Dean Ambrose is – has shown me that he's capable of that in WWE. I can't think of, like, a really, really, really good Dean Ambrose match in the past two years. And maybe I'm completely crazy, and, Dane, if you can think of one, I would I would love an example, because if I'm just dialing back in my head trying to think of one, I, I really can't think of any, any right Question.
1: And I don't, I can't even remember if it was that great of a match, but his one that he had with Chris Jericho, was that more than two years ago? The cage match with all the other bullshit in it? They had a violent
3: uh, What's match. I mean, was cage that before match. Festival of Friendship? Yeah, never
1: mind. I guess that would have been before two years ago, huh? Wow. That would have been. I that, mean, if
3: not, I mean, if not, we're still talking about. Maybe that is the one example. And you're also talking about with Chris Jericho and I'm not not going to say, like, okay, and it it was a hugely gimmicked match. Um, So I don't want to say, yeah, that was a good match. I do recall that match. But outside of that, like, I can't even tell you what – I mean, he had some bad matches with the IC champion. I know he was going through some injury stuff. He had the Shield matches, but those are triple threat tag team matches. I'm just really trying to think of something that really stands out in my mind other than his natural charisma on the mic. And unless they're going to go...
1: Day. I don't know how long who? ago that was, though. Bray Wyatt, but I don't know how long ago that was. That
3: might have been fucking like three years ago. Ugh. Yeah, I don't even remember that match, so I'm going to consider that it was probably... I would. I, I guess I considered the match, okay. I would fucking remember it. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh all I'm saying is I don't know that he is the status that he gets put at. I think his character is the status he gets put at. They need to figure out how to work matches around his weaknesses. Um and also he needs to start stop doing the duck out under the rope thing. Like as a heel he doesn't need to hit that spot anymore. Like he do like I don't understand that spot. You know what I'm talking about where he hits the second rope and cuts under in clotheslines?
1: Yep. It looks stupid anyways. I hate that spot.
3: He, he should well even if you do it like if he comes back and he, he doesn't do it for a while as a fate like as a heel then it makes more sense but like he as a heel
2: if he, he should get never, it to should look, be...
1: Chris if he could get that to look out of nowhere like much more like you know that happens once in a while he falls back and then comes right back with a lariat it would be fine but it looks so damn it's like the move that he does where he throws a guy into the ropes. No, no, he he has the one guy in the corner, and then he runs up and, you know, stands on the turnbuckle, second uh, turnbuckle, and then spins around and comes back with, like, a clothesline. It looks stupid. It looks so damn mechanical. It looks like he's having problems doing it every single time. If he wants to be a brawler, let him just be a fucking brawler. I don't understand, like, why that repertoire was even put in there. And like you said, he's a heel now. He doesn't have to do either one of those spots. They look stupid. Sorry, everyone. I I, I
3: mean, I like reading books. As a face, you can get away with kind of more gimmicky stuff like that, but as a heel, like, you're trying to be a bad guy. Those those spots are made for, like, your comeback spot. They're supposed to be comeback spots. Your heel shouldn't be having a comeback in general. It should be getting neat So yep. I think those are dumb, and I think that, you know, I think people are tired of seeing it. Maybe it's just me. I know I'm tired of seeing it. I've been watching it for, like, what, five years now? How long have they been in WWE? 2000 yep. shit come 2011 2012 like we've been we've seen this shit a ton and now that he's a heel he shouldn't be doing it there's no need for him to do it i know get your shit in and stuff but like get get some different shit to get in be more heel poke someone's fucking eye out you're supposed to be crazy grab a barbed wire bat and cut open uh okay maybe that's a little too much for PGW. Uh, but
2: down Supreme.
3: <laughs> Jesus. If you get what I'm saying? Don't do don't do face spots if you're a heel, and then also, like I have no problem with the rest hold. Get it? It's just they put that match in a bad spot to begin with, because it wasn't that match was never going to be as good as Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Pick two of the best wrestlers on your card, in ring. You put them together, they're going to have a good fucking match. So putting that match right after it is good as Seth Rollins is. Dean Ambrose is not on the same level of in work. They haven't really. They've had matches together, but not, like, against each other that often. Especially not, like, a high-profile match after a championship match. So, I don't know. It's also just weird to put your IC title before your heavyweight title. There's a, there's a lot of things about this I didn't like. I don't think it was as terrible as what people said, but I definitely could feel the fans if you just came off that heat of a match. WWE fans are uh, very, vo- very very vocal now. So, having, like, a match with wrestles after watching AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, you're probably going to always get this kind of reaction, unfortunately. And also, I heard Vince wasn't very happy with that match. So, it is what it is. I mean, Vince has obviously made some mistakes the past three or four weeks, but um, I think he still knows a good match.
1: Yeah, I feel like the audience are very fickle, very fickle. Uh, I actually want that fucking t-shirt because that's, I, I do feel like that about the wrestling community sometimes. Um, last match, man. I think match of the night, arguably. Just a badass TLC match. My God, man. You can say what you want. You can say she's stealing spotlight away from Becky. Blah, 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 blah. Charlotte Flair is one of the best wrestlers in WWE. Period the girl took five years off her fucking shelf life for this one fucking match that she lost. She did a front flip senton from the top ropes to the outside through a damn table after taking a massive leg drop table bump through the announce table from Becky, who basically just fell all of her weight, her ass just on top of Charlotte, and the motherfucking announce table didn't even break. And she was still a boss and still up and ready to go to spear Oscar through the dam. Like Charlotte was all over this match. I love Becky. I love Oscar. I love that Becky is the top, arguably the top uh, female wrestler as far in the, as far as being the most over. I love that they gave the belt to Oscar. Charlotte is the workhorse in this match. She deserves a hell of a lot of credit, and I think she's a badass. And I just I love that we're probably going to get. Whoever these morons are that – well, maybe I should not say morons. Some of these people out there are predicting, you know, and I'm not talking about like Dave Metzler. I think he has – he's heard the same thing that I've basically been spitting for a while now, that we are going to get Becky winning the World Rumble to challenge Ronda to possibly be the headline, and then Charlotte will be going against Oscar. Some people think it's going to be a three-way or a four-way now with Oscar involved. Are you fucking out of your mind? You're saying that during the women's evolution, the height of the popularity of it, and you have this much going on, you're going to take the belts, make them meaningless, and put it in a fucking four-way match and take away having two amazing female wrestling matches? Go smoke more crack. Jesus Christ. Sorry, it bothered me when I was hearing this bullshit. If it's not the way that I'm saying it, it will be a three-way with Charlotte, Ronda, and Becky, but I think Putting it in a gimmick three- or four-way would be a shame and a sham instead of having an awesome rematch from arguably the best match from last year over a title with Asuka and Charlotte and then having what everyone wants to see, Becky and Ronda, headline the goddamn thing for the Raw Women's title instead of just trying to have one fucking match. Like I said, whatever crack you're smoking, keep it going. Whatever. Anyways, thought the match was fucking awesome. Spots were Great. At the end of it, Ronda came out, knocked down the ladder that had both Charlotte and Becky. They fell down. Oscar climbed the ladder, got the title. Kind of, I guess you could say a cheap victory, as a lot of people would put it, uh, because we all wanted Oscar to win it in a better stipulation. But seriously, people, like quit fucking bitching. She has a damn title now. And how many times did this happen to another competitor? Would we be excited if the same thing happened? Someone comes and interferes. Blah, 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 blah. Ronda's getting back at both of them. They're stirring the pot. I'm almost positive we're already having Charlotte versus Ronda at Royal Rumble. I think that I already got leaked out. So, great. Let's do this. Let's have some fun. This is fucking awesome. I love women's wrestling. It's saving WWE most of the time for me. Chris, how do you feel about this match?
3: I I also think this was... It's kind of... I, I don't know which to pick is is best best match of the night, because that Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles match was really good, but I think for Spectacle alone, this was probably the match of the night. I don't think people are crazy, just because I don't know how set they are on keeping two women's titles going headed into Mania. So if they go the route of combining those two, you may end up with a four-way. I think it's more likely... What's more likely going to happen is the exact scenario you laid out where you get Asuka and Charlotte versus Becky and Ronda, and then maybe you have Becky win the belt, and then that leads back to Charlotte and Becky if they want to combine the title. Um, Just to give Ronda a little bit of a break. But, um, yeah, the match itself was incredible. I think Charlotte, like you said, absolute workhorse. Should be considered one of the top ten wrestlers in the WWE I think, easily. Um, and that's probably including uh, some of the car- some, of, some of NXT, honestly. I think she's consistently proven that she can put on good pay-per-view matches. Um, and she's had great matches with people that she shouldn't necessarily have great matches with in the past. Uh, this was a really good match. I don't think it's Charlotte's best match, but it was definitely good. And I think it further builds between Becky and Charlotte going forward. And then maybe, you know, Oscar's just kind of off in the background. As champion, which I don't think is a bad thing I think that allows you to shuffle that roster Around a little bit, but I, I definitely The way Charlotte and Becky went after Each other, I would assume that those are the You know, you're going to have another number one Contender match, or possibly even another way match, but leading up To whatever they do with the Royal Rumble, which is going to Be interesting, and I and I don't think what you're saying Is far-fetched, I think Becky could easily Win the Royal Rumble and, and, uh, go after Ronda And they could also Oh, excuse me pull the wool over our eyes completely and push Charlotte versus Ronda, which I think has always been a match they've been trying to get to. Um, it's not impossible. I mean, it's not improbable to think that Charlotte could end up in that Royal Rumble and then Oscar and Becky take each other out or vice versa. I think you might see something there because I'm assuming that these three are going to continue down this road, this feud, mostly just because I don't, I mean, there's other good female wrestlers on SmackDown, but they do, I don't know that they have the ability to build them into where these three are right now.
1: See, I agree with you on the, in, in the sense that if they combine titles, which I think is a very, very big possibility, and I've been saying that for a while, uh, just because of Fox you know, getting SmackDown, not wanting to be like, oh, you can't have these people, but you can have these people and their new direction and stuff like that, it can make a lot of sense to do that. I would feel like, even though it's very Survivor Series-esque, you would probably have, if not at WrestleMania itself, one of the pay-per-views before that, a pay-per-view where you basically had the champions versus champions. Hey, do Night of Champions! They can do that again. It'll be great. Um, And if that happens, then yeah. Then there's probably more of a chance that you could possibly see us four-way. But I'm just saying... If they keep it how it is and keep the brand split, and that's them going forward, I don't think they're going to diminish the option to have the belts on the line and also just take two good matches and combine it into one. I think that would deter away from this quote unquote women's evolution to me. But uh, yeah, I definitely think that if they end up combining titles, you're probably going to keep your your top females for that that said match. And I would say that those are your top four females with Ronda Rousey, even though she's the only one on the run by herself. I, I love Sasha. You know, I wish they'd push the, the moon out of her, but it doesn't happen. But also obviously Oscar, Charlotte, and the man, Becky Lynch. But either way, hey, uh, I thought, let me, let me, let me, let me finish my statement. I'll pass it to you for a closing statement. I thought TLC was actually pretty good. I actually had a lot of fun with a lot of the matches. I thought Survivor Series was pretty good. And I think that WWE, is, since, like, WrestleMania, and actually a couple off of that, they've slowly progressed, and their pay-per-views have gotten better. Should they be shorter? Yes. But when it comes to the quality of allowing matches to, like, be matches, I think they care more about that. Um I'm just looking forward to having a WrestleMania where people aren't fucking pissed off during the, uh, the and who knows it might, it might happen again. But during the main event itself, how'd you feel about TLC as a whole, Chris?
3: I thought it was okay. Um, if if I was someone that paid 9.99 to see it and wasn't just in it for the WWE network, I might not be as happy about it. Um, there's obviously three or four great, like pretty good to great matches, but outside of that, it was a real dull show. I also didn't like the fact the United States title once again for the second pay-per-view in a row was completely absent, um, and not really talked about at all. So I, those are things I disliked about it. And obviously the things that I liked about it were the matches that we had talked about earlier. Uh, all of that being said, the, the only thing I'd say about Sasha is WWE did that to themselves. They had a superstar and then they stuck her in a program with Beck, like with, uh, with Bailey and never actually gave you a fucking payoff for it. So I don't think that's Sasha's fault. I think she's proven that no. she can have some really, really great matches and it really sucks for her. But I totally agree. If you're looking at the top four stars and, and women's wrestling in WWE right now, three of them were in the SmackDown match and, and one of them is, is Ronda Rousey. Um, I think Alexa Bliss can maybe get back up there. if She can get healthy and they can give her some sort of push, but it's going to be hard sailing because they keep giving her shitty gimmicks like that. This is your life and whatever the hell that other one was we watched the other day that I just compared to this one previously. So, um, yeah, but the, the thing I would say about Sasha, that the, the best thing they could do for her to revitalize her career is for her to either take some time off or to move to a different product, um, away from Bailey. Just get away from Bailey because they're never going to resolve that story. Um, it's been a year and a half now, and they haven't resolved it. So, that's pretty fucking off.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, and, and that's the thing is is you know just just the last statement. If they would have let Sasha and Bailey have a feud and have matches like they did in fucking NXT. They wouldn't have to worry about this shit, but whatever. Um, it's, I mean, as much as I love, because I first started coming into wrestling uh, when this was happening, but as much as I loved seeing Charlotte versus Sasha and needing Sasha to be the babyface in that situation because of Charlotte being such a strong heel, it kind of fucks Sasha a little bit because she she is an incredible heel, and now she's always been pushed as a babyface since then, and she shouldn't. Uh, they... They had 50 fucking million perfect roads. The last time when Bailey said, you ain't, sh- I don't think shit shit. she should say shit and they bleeped it out, but she's like, you ain't shit, bitch. And like, fucking, it's like that could have started and they sent them to counseling. What the fuck is going on? You, yeah, I mean, that, angle. That's, you, you, two, you two are in a feud, so you know need to go to counseling or we're going to spend you. What? what the, how the fuck?
2: Did he spend?
3: yeah I I agree 100% and I think that's more of what I was getting at is you had the perfect you had Bailey as a babyface you already had someone you could turn heel and babyface simultaneously between those two with their feud because you know I love Sasha but she does come off more naturally as a heel which would have been fine but they didn't do that they didn't give you a payoff and then they stuck her with Bailey for so long that I don't know that people see her as a top superstar especially not in the women's division. And I don't know how you get her back there except for move her away from Dayton completely and then give her a run.
2: Yeah.
3: I agree. I'm just glad that
1: both those ladies have at least had the title, even though both, well, no, not Sasha's, but, well, I mean, she loses it every time she wins it. They've been lackluster compared to how they should have. Let's just put it that way. But uh, ending, I have to say that Sometimes I sing, um, you know, um, Sasha's theme music while I'm in the shower. So, uh, yeah, let's move on to Raw. <laughs> God damn it, Chris. I thought that was a very important thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm at the center later. That's sexy. Anyways.
3: Apparently but, that um, is an oh. ongoing Twitter beef between Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch, where Ronda Rousey claims that Becky Lynch stole her underwear. <laughs> so you guys can look that up on the Twitter. Um, it's out there. The man and and at Ronda Rousey. <laughs> you guys have fun with that one. <laughs> take from it what you will. <laughs> I'm just.
2: I'm just saying, baby. I'm gonna take from that what I will, but. You know that that, that that's sexy. Uh,
1: all right, let's try to let's talk about Ron right now. Uh, the show opened up with Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, and Shane McMahon announcing that they've done a bad job lately and will now be running WWE themselves. Question: When the fuck was the McMahon's not running the WWE themselves? I get we're supposed to like sustain our disbelief, but even in the fucking Storyline, they're still in charge, no matter what. Whatever. They said they'd be listening to the fans more and declare the fans as the new authority. Some people are calling this era starting up our era or my era. I don't know. I'm just making all that shit up. Anyways, Baron Corbin showed up, begged for his job back in his best Biff Tannen impersonation. Uh, So they put him in a no-DQ handicap match against half a dozen people. Uh, Seriously, that's that's pretty much what happened Uh, It's the new Raw Alright Now before I go into the matches And break down this whole entire thing
3: um, And
1: We're going to talk more about this I think we'll have enough time too Because there's not a lot that happened on both Raw and SmackDown And I'm not going into any of the spoilers Outside that one I said about What Daniel Bryan said about Santa not being real uh, For the ones that were recorded For next week for, for Raw and SmackDown So because of that me and Chris are going to talk about her SmackDown and then at the end of it, talk about this now in both a positive and a negative, the new WWE going forward. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit right now, I'm not going to be so cynical about it.
3: Uh,
1: but either way, yeah, <laughs> trying to go into this. I love how, how over Shane is, no matter what, even over Triple H, Stephanie and Vince. And I love how Vince was trying to talk shit to the audience to get them to boo him, but they wouldn't. And it's amazing because I mean, Vince is such a great heel, but people will talk shit about Vince as much as they want. until they're blue in the face. But if they're an audience and no chance from hell comes on, everyone's fucking singing it. And I get it. Cause I would be too. Either way, you heard this thing. When I heard this, Chris, I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? I was so damn confused. I, I can't believe that, apparently, and, and, and Triple H laid it out. He's the one who laid it out, that this is going to be something that we're going to see improvement in the next month or so. Like you know, it, It's going to take time, basically. So everyone complaining out there that you saw the same shit to, that night, I mean, they got to figure out an ending to some of their feuds. They've got to have some type of resolution. It's not going to be like fucking Vince Russo where he comes out, tells everyone to come back out, grabs all the titles, and starts new feuds out of nowhere. They're not going to do something like that. This is something that's going to happen over time. Now, will it happen? That's the question. Either way, with this promo, what did you think when you saw this or heard about it, and um, how, how did you like... Uh, the McMahon's new era where they're in charge finally, I guess.
2: Well,
3: I thought, first off, I thought Shane McMahon was a professional wrestler now since he won that, you know, and he won the crown jewel. So shouldn't he be out there defending the crown jewel, the world cup of wrestling outside of that? I thought it was a whole lot of nothing. Um, I think that this stems from Vince's name being in the media, being upset about the two episodes of Raw that he kind of hijacked and rewrote that everyone hated. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the ratings have not been very good, um, specifically for Raw, not necessarily for SmackDown. SmackDown's kind of stuck around where it's been. Uh, And the fact that he really, really, really didn't like that TLC match uh, with Seth and, and Dean. And I, you know, I don't know what you do to fix this. I I didn't expect them to fix this in one night. Obviously, um, I think Triple H did a decent job of laying it out there. Uh, but you're still in the same spot because you have Team Stephen man, The man, the Kings of Raw and SmackDown, and until you have someone actively take them down or take over the show, they're still in charge. Um, and they can they did this they did this again later on in the show where they're attempting to blur kayfabe, the the wrestling world, with this business world. Um, They also did it with uh, Seth Rollins where he was talking about that he he never wants to disappoint the audience. And I think that level of blending lines on Raw uh, leaning more towards like, hey, this shit's a work. Uh, We're going to make it better is not the best way to go. And in general, like I said, it happened multiple times on this first Raw. Um And also but people are always going to pop for,
1: but then again, technically, and I mean, maybe this is a once, once in a time sort of thing. You look back at how horrible the WWE was in the nineties, Vince comes out and makes an announcement, basically breaking kayfabe and saying, we're going to change the product, put it in a new direction. And that ushered accidentally, with a bunch of stuff, obviously, Montreal screw job and stuff like that involved, it ushered in the Attitude Era. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but admitting fault, kind of saying to the audience, you know this is fucking not real. We know it's not real. We're going to try to fucking change things. It has, at least in the past, shown some type of good things. But then again, you look, like I said, with Nitro, Vince Russo, similar concept, tank the company.
3: So, so it's either- this, is where the, this is where the story gets rewritten with that a lot is that Vince McMahon did not – Vince McMahon broke kayfabe with the steroids trial and a lot of that stuff in the early 90s. When he, when he screwed over Brett, it wasn't that he came out and said, hey, all this shit is a work. It's that he came out and said, yes, I am the owner of this company and became a heel. And there was an obvious pivot point to that, that he screwed over Brett. Like, he called the shot that Earl Hidner made that call. It, it was still wrestling-related. It it wasn't that he came out and said, hey, look, like, yeah, I fucked Brett, whatever. There it is. It was that he came out, and beforehand, he was an announcer. And he showed up and was like, I made that shot. I am the commissioner. I am the bad guy. Put your focus on me. That's way different than, like, Seth Rollins coming out and saying, hey, I apologize for not giving you guys the match you guys deserved. Obviously pointing to the fact that the quality of the match wasn't as good. Um, And if they've lost sight of little stuff like that, I don't really know what to say. Uh, Especially when they're talking about the whole company. And then later on, when we get into who they actually brought up from NXT for this change on Monday Night Raw... That's going to be a whole other thing that I am going to bitch about. But uh, so far, I, I, I guess you know, for me to see actual change is to uh, to kind of prove it. Like honestly, at this point, prove it. Is this, I mean, this promo is just uh, for me was a ratings pop because people saw that Vince was going to be on.
1: Oh, I get what you're saying, and, and I mean, I I'm very skeptical as well. I just think that. The whole Rome wasn't built in a day sort of thing, and at least, at least we're getting. I mean, as weird as it is, kind of breaking kayfabe in a sense with this, we're getting that they get it, or at least he gets it, that there's been problems, and they need to have some type of change in course. But let's keep on going. Let's get let's get through this uh, manslaughter match with Kurt Angle, Apollo Cruz, Bobby Roode, and Chad Gable. With Heath Slater as the guest referee again, beating the hell out of uh, Baron Corbin. By the way, um, very similar in concept, if I'm supposed to, uh, you know, say the opposite of um, the Lucha House Party rules, where the heel was getting beaten by the babyfaces in a handicap sort of way, but whatever. Everyone attacked Corbin with chairs, hit a bunch of signature moves on him, and angle pinned him after an angle slam. Corbin is now no longer an authority figure. Still there, which is good. That would happen later on with him and Seth Rollins having interaction and Baron Corbin trying to blame everything on Seth, and then Seth punched him, you know. So Corbin will still be some type of villain, but now will probably be in a new direction. Um, But, yeah, Corbin is basically the representation of everyone being pissed off at Vince uh, manifested in 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 a gimmick, I guess, at this point. I will say also that Kurt Angle, you know, he's getting old. And uh, I love Kurt. I think he's one of the best wrestlers of all time. Uh, But you can tell that he's aged. And and to say even past that, I saw a lot of comments about Vince and how old he is. Yeah, he is old. And, yeah, he doesn't look like he sleeps a lot. But uh, at the same time, I mean, does anyone remember he's like 75 years old, so he's going to look pretty fucking old? I guess we're just not used to it. Apparently, he doesn't even like to be in front of camera anymore because of his age, uh, which kind of makes sense. But um, Kurt, too, man, he needed help putting uh, putting Corbin through that freaking table uh, with the with the uh, slam, it looked like. But then we had a Finn Balor versus Dolph Ziggler. Uh, it was ruled a no contest when Drew McIntyre interfered and attacked both men. So I guess that means that is um, the start of the feud between the three of them, like I said. Whatever. At least, I'll, you know, to me, because I like what you call Drew McIntyre, all of them are good workers. So we'll hopefully get a good 3 match, I guess, at Royal Rumble. That will probably keep Finn away from being able to win it. Uh, what am I? Anyways, um, yeah, Chris, comment on the handicap match with Baron Corbin and the Finn Balor-Dolph Ziggler no contest
3: match. Unless they're turning Baron Corbin... Uh, face this match made no sense. No one is going. Yeah. Baron Corbin is not hated enough for this match to immediately let go of all the anger they hold towards Ben in the past three or four So to me, this was like you said, he was kind of sent out like a sacrificial lamb. They beat him up, they took his job position, whatever. Blaming on Baron. I don't think anyone takes it that way. In all honesty. And if you really wanted to give someone a good storyline, giving Baron Corbin a good storyline out of that thing, he was a little bit more charismatic. He, you might actually be able to pull it off. Um, but yeah, the match itself was—I mean,
2: it's—it
3: was a four-on-one handicap match against a heel, so it's fucking bad. Let's just say that. And I'm—it's I'm, four-on-one with Heath Slater as a special guest referee, so basically five-on. Yep. So fucking bad. Hated it. Uh Finn Balor versus Dolph Ziggler being in no contest. This makes sense. There wasn't anything to write home about in the match. Like I said earlier, not a huge Drew McIntyre fan. I know other people are. I just don't get it. And I don't think I ever will get it. But I you know, this makes sense if they're continuing that feud I was spot.
1: Alright, Intercontinental Championship match. Dean Ambrose has an open challenge. And it's accepted by Tyler Breeze, who was on NXT last week accepting an open challenge for the North American title and had a pretty damn good match with Ricochet. I will admit is Tyler Breeze's new gimmick to not be the shitty half of Brezongo, uh and going back to Prince Pretty, who's like showing up at all the open challenges. I think he should have came out actually for Ronda Rousey. That would have been very interesting. In all seriousness, I like the that they're doing stuff with them. I kind of wish that Tyler would have stayed down in NXT. This was a perfect way for him to translate back in there. He's a he's a good entering wrestler. He's, I think, better than they've given him for a while. I wish they would have given Fandango a chance. Uh, I think he's good, too. And I, I think that Berzango could have been champions in SmackDown about a year and a half ago. They just didn't do that. Um, but, yeah, could have been about 60 other fucking people. Um that they could have brought out to go against Dean Ambrose, and uh, I don't think Dean works well with guys that are like Tyler. It's proved by his best buddy Seth in his match. It just was kind of awkward. Um, Ambrose won with dirty deeds after the match. Seth Rollins dressed as one of the guys in the gas mask. I actually like the gas mask. I like the henchman. I like the villain concept. I don't mind any of that. I actually think that that's cool. And his his promos aren't bad on the mic. It's just that the matches are lackluster that I've seen. Obviously, only one of them. This one, too, kind of. And uh, the feud between him and Seth is not really working for me. But it was cool. I knew that, obviously, one of them was dressed up as Seth because they started, like, just paying the camera on one of them and kept on going back to him. And then he attacked Ambrose. Um, Yeah. Do you want to comment on that before we move on, Seth?
3: That's fine. This is just... Like I said, furthering the feud, I thought the match was actually kind of bad. Uh, but it made sense. And I also, the same thing. Whenever they do one of these huge groups and they start painting a lot, you can kind of tell someone's bigger. And one of them bought something else. That dude's so CrossFit. <laughs> so, um, kind of just knew <laughs> um, that that was going to be the case. But whatever, I'm also fine with the, the Henchmen, and I, I like the universe promos thus far, but uh, they haven't given us a whole lot to uh, buy into as far as him being. And that just goes back to what we were talking about.
1: Yeah, he just comes out grunts about how the audience suck and how they're all like pieces of crap. He Like, the promo's good. The material, though, it's just not believable. Like I said, I mean, the the fact that they're trying to say the CZW guy is now worried about his health um, with germs is kind of ridiculous, but you know. A video package announced a new group of NXTs uh, coming to WWE. These guys are all people, one of them was already uh, announced, and they are all people I I saw being, well, aside from Nikki, who also was kind of, we knew she was coming. So basically Heavy Machinery, EC3, Lacey Evans, all in which I had in my head, along with Lars Sullivan, as people that probably didn't need to be in NXT and I think would do better on main but none of them had storylines none of them had pretty much anything going velveteen dream which a lot of people were not too happy was not one of the guys announced i think that they're going to probably give him a better proper introduction is what i would be hoping for but um i don't really care outside of Nikki and ec3 maybe i mean actually I'm more looking forward to Lars than EC3. I think EC3 will do well because of his charisma. Um, He'll be better on Raw. Lacey's whatever. She's she's okay. She'll be a good person to put against Ronda Rousey as being someone that's physically intimidating. Heavy machinery is going to die a slow death on Raw, I feel. Um, And Lars needs to go to SmackDown, honestly, so he's not overwhelmed by a bunch of other fucking giants and be a big guy working with small guys. I've already said that. Nikki, I think, needs to go to Raw. I think they need some good, intense females over there. Don't think she – and the funny funny thing is Sanity's on SmackDown, but I don't think that she'll do – she'll get lost in the shuffle on SmackDown. Um, Yeah, but – yeah, Chris, what
3: do you think? I I don't see EC3 ever being a star in WWE. I just don't ever see it happening. He's too big. He has personality, but he's terrible in the ring. I don't think it's ever going to fucking happen. They were probably right when they fired him the first time. Lacey Evans is definitely someone that Vince likes. You can tell she's like your prototypical American. Uh, Was She's basically doing the Riveter gimmick. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter. She's not that great in the ring, and she won't reach the level of, like, Ronda Rousey. He'll probably will re- probably be relegated to wrestling like Natalya in an America versus Canada match or some weird dumb shit like that. Oh. Let's see, ah. Lars Sullivan, probably better off on SmackDown, agreed. I think that he is the one that you could kind of keep around in the mid-card as a big guy. Um, Nikki Cross, I think that she's someone interesting that could work on either brand depending on how they want to build her character. I think she is good. Uh, some storylines around. It's just right now on Raw. I don't know that she's a good fit because you have Ronda Rousey there, who is basically going to be an unstoppable force. Um, so I'm assuming that they'll have her go against people like Bailey and Sasha, and be more of like a uh, an in between your champion and uh, Ronda, or in your in between your 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 women's division and Ronda. Um, heavy Machinery. I think they're fine just because WWE like Raw needs tag teams. Bad. And, and they're a good tag team that you can put other tag teams uh, against. They're just never going to be a top tag team on Raw. And as long as they're okay with that, they can have good matches with people like Arthur Spain and The Revival and uh, whoever else they throw against them. And they can you know book them as a legitimate threat if they want at the beginning. And then obviously, I would assume, all that being said, that Authors of Pain is kind of going to be the head honchos on Raw until they end up doing some kind of brain shakeup. But, like Lacey Evans and EC3, I just don't see the Um, and we'll see a year from now, maybe I'm wrong, but just, I I don't see it, and and I like EC3, I just, he never really was that good in the ring, and I think he's going to suffer the same fate that Bobby Lashley is currently, I don't know what to do with him, he's not as good in the ring as, as a lot of the other big guys, EC3 at least has the ability to promo a little better than Bobby Lashley, which goes a little bit of ways, but eventually, like, Braun's going to be back, Roman's going to be back, Brock is still there, um, and then you have the rest of your class that's a little smaller than him that are better on the mic and better in the ring with your Seth Rollins of the world, your Finn Balor's, your... your, uh, your and then whoever else you bring up, if you bring up someone like a team tree. So, uh, I, I don't know that this helps him by moving him here when he hasn't accomplished anything in the NXT, and then also, I just, I don't ever see him being that over in WWE. Same thing with Lacey Evans. I think that, the, that there's a lot of talent on the Raw women's roster that's kind of underutilized. I mean, you have, you know, a Hall of Famer in Mickey James. You have Alexa Bliss. You have Nia Jax. Like, I, I don't know what you do with her except for Nia's probably. Huh? Her, her ceiling.
1: I think her ceiling is Dana Brooks' ceiling. Eventually, she might get somewhat of a push higher than that. But then she'll be relegated to the Alicia Foxes, the Dana Brooks, kind of an ancillary extra-heel character if they need them. Um, And EC3, my whole thing is, and you said Bobby Lashley, if they don't know what the fuck to do with Bobby Roode, I don't think they're going to know what to do with EC3. Because EC3 might be better on the mic than Bobby Roode, but not by much. I think Bobby Roode's actually pretty strong on the mic if you give him good material. And Bobby Roode's definitely better in the rings, got the body, the physique, He's older, but, what, EC3 is like, what, 36, 37? I mean, uh, honestly, because of quality of both of them, I think Nikki out of this bunch, Nikki Cross and Lars Sullivan have the, the, the most likeliness for success to me. Um, are you happy, though, that, that we're getting uh, that both announced, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, they're coming back? We don't know exactly when. I'm going to assume maybe for the Rumble for one of them. Do you want them to come back together as a unit again or do it separate
3: again? I hope they come back on separate brands, um, in all honesty. And if that staggers their releases, then so be it. You need to split them apart because WWE is too lazy and they will just throw them back in a match together or a program together. And really, like, what WWE needs right now is a strong heel outside of Brock Lesnar on Raw. I think that Kevin can give you that.
1: I think we're just hoping that they do the kill-steam-kill, like just a more dominant Kevin Owens, like the one that came and challenged John Cena, you know, and beat his ass. Like that style or, of ruthlessness,
3: you know, not
1: just e- goofy shit. Either that shit
3: or one. a heel that wins, you know. Either that or a heel that actually gets up. Yeah. That doesn't uh, win I don't need him
1: to off a cage <laughs> through a table. Yes
3: yes but just someone that uh, you know that looks very physical and can get some wins even if it's cheap. Um, I don't need him to go full kill to kill. I would be fine with that. Um if they went that route I you know he should come back as a Lesnar, but I'm you know eventually Roman's going to come back and Roman's going to get that huge push. So I uh, I'm cool with with either. I I don't know Kevin and Sammy are in such a weird spot. They're just bringing up more and more talent. I, I don't know where that leaves a lot of these people. My biggest problem with this is Raw has a lot of talent already, and they don't know how to fucking book. So just throwing more people up isn't going to help anything. If anything, it's going to clusterfuck it because they're going to think that they need to book more matches on Raw. And by the way, there's only five fucking matches on this three-hour episode of Raw. Speaking of which, we need to kind
1: of continue to get through it and then go through SmackDown. Um, But you're right. There's five matches... Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley cut a promo making fun of Elias and doing poses, that ass pose, whatever. Elias showed up and attacked him with a guitar. Anyways, number one contender, Fatal 4-Way Tag Match. Revival defeated AOP, the B-Team, and Lucha House Party. Lucha House Party uh, rules are gone. They're done. Thank God. Revival won with the Shatter Machine on Bo Dallas. They'll get a future Raw Tag Team Championship match against Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. And in theory... That should be a pretty damn good match and fun to watch. Um, so I guess it's good. Another person that people have been wanting to see the Revival do something, even though they're heels. People like them as a tag team. Now they seem like they're getting somewhat of a push. Whatever. Anyways, and then the ending had Ronda Rousey cut a promo that she should never have had that much fucking dialogue for, in which she was trying to say that champions are supposed to defend uh, even the night after pay-per-view, no matter what the condition they're in. If you look at Um, boxing, um, MMA, and even most wrestling. That's not the case, but whatever. And so women were swarming, showing us for the first time what happens for an open challenge of everyone just basically in girl position going, I
2: want it! Like they
1: they were trying to get the golden fucking ticket in in the Willy Wonka movie. Uh, So Stephanie brought all of them, and she presented them to Ronda and said there was going to be a gauntlet match, and they were leaving 30 minutes uh, for the women to Display their efforts. Uh, it started off with Bailey and Alicia Fox. Bailey eliminated Alicia Fox by countering a pinfall attempt into a crucifix, then eliminating Dana Brooke with a belly to Bailey. Mickey James eliminated Bailey with a DDT. Ember Moon eliminated uh, Mickey James with an eclipse. Natalia pinned Moon and Ruby Riot with roll ups. Natalia was able to submit Sasha Banks with a sharpshooter to win the match, and she goes on to go against Ronda. For a championship match. To me, icing on the cake would have been Sasha getting the win, but you put her at the end, and I knew she wasn't going to get it because she was the last person to come out. Um, I will say that Mickie James stood out as being a true veteran and being a badass in the ring, and Bailey had a pretty good showing. They were trying to give her the Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan rub, like they did with those last two common matches. I don't think it worked out as well, but it was nice seeing these ladies get a chance in the ring. They got 35 minutes, and uh, yeah. That was it. Rousey and Natalia shook hands going off the air, and then Ronda Rousey gave her her eat shit look right at directly afterwards. Chris, uh, how did you like the gauntlet match, and how do you like, uh, you know, that we're getting Bobby Roode and Chad Gable against The Revival?
3: Uh, I'm fine with the uh, the number one contender match. I thought that was fun. Uh, the Revival obviously is the biggest threat to the AOP if you look at the other team names involved in that the B-team, and Lucha House Party. Uh, So it makes sense. Hopefully, Heavy Machinery can help with the tag team division. I think they'll at least legitimize it a bit and and put out some good matches. So I'm okay with that uh, completely. Von Rousey's promo, I agree with you. I think it was just a little wordy and and too long. They they keep asking her to do more than she actually needs to. Um, I hate this concept of a gauntlet match. A gauntlet match should mean that one person is fighting... However many people they send into the ring until he wins or loses, and this comes off more like they just have one person in the ring and they send them in, similar to what they did with Seth recently on Monday Night Raw. That's not what I know as a gauntlet, so I hate that name. I wish they would come up with something else, like a Last Man Standing, like a, a Survivor's Match, or, or just some kind of gimmick name for it. Uh, I would have personally put Ember Moon here as a win to get the rub off a really good match with Ronda. Natalya doesn't win it, uh, doesn't need it, and then also you're just doing a friend-versus-friend friend match again. You don't so. forget the love of God. Not everyone has to be friends.
1: Well, I agree. All right, before we go over SmackDown, I'm going to pass it to our past governor of California and WWE Hall of Famer himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger, to do this wonderful promotion For Blue Chew, Arnold, or Arnie, I should say, take it away.
2: Thank you so much, Dave. Guys, remember the days when you're always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get in that extra confidence in bed. So listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Dan, take it away. Thanks, Arnold.
1: I appreciate it. I'll take it from here. Don't worry about it. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they'll work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Get it? Uh, seriously, though, I've tried Blue Chew Out uh, with my lady friend. It's worked out great. Um, you know, this is something where it has nothing to do with, like, you know, it doesn't mean so much for impotence, if you will, you know, uh, ED, erectile dysfunction, scary things. This could just be so you can get more of a, a, a toddler's, you know, forearm between your legs or to please your lady and be able to last longer, guys. I'm serious. Or maybe if it is something involved with erectile dysfunction, it's because of the medication that you take. And if you mix it with alcohol, you got to worry about something. I have that issue. I've had it in the past. Blue Chew is a great thing to be able to take, not to worry about it, and be able to have a great time with your woman pal. So that's all I'm trying to say. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness, like that horrible impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger like I just did. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships to rec, They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code GVN. That's GVN as in Geek Nation. You just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W, BlueChew.com, promo code GVN to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast, Yay. never doing that ever again, God, there are certain people, I think everyone wrestling, all all the impersonations I do with with actors, you know, outside of Arnold, easily do these, Can, can do these impersonations and go on, all wrestlers, Macho Man, Arnold Schwarzenegger, well, who's not a wrestler, Triple H, they destroy my fucking throat, holy shit, I'm raspy now. Anyways, Chris, let's go over SmackDown pretty quickly. SmackDown started off off with Shane McMahon. um, He basically had his uh, Paul Heyman, you know, pre-talk to everyone. And by the way, in all this, two things I have to say. One, by the way, Vince and Shane, whoever the fuck I'm talking to, SmackDown was not your problem. Raw's ratings were bringing SmackDown's ratings down because they're technically what you guys promote as the B-Show. So, thank you for trying to get that mixed up. And all the fans that were like, just like Ross, SmackDown didn't change. We weren't ever bitching about fucking SmackDown beforehand. So now why are we bitching just a bitch? God, I can't stand people that hate watch shit. Anyways, I digress. It was a really funny scene with Xavier Woods and Big E during this meeting getting all pumped up and eating steak and peering over at Dan O'Brien and giving him each shit looks, and Dan O'Brien finally realizes it and, like, just, just gives him an evil glare. It was pretty funny. Anyways, after Shane announced, Becky Lynch comes to the ring so that she, did, she wasn't going to stand around for some meeting, because a man doesn't need to do that, and she calls out Ronda Rousey for costing her a SmackDown women's title. Charlotte comes out, followed suit. Oscar then hit the ring to, fault, to flaunt her new title. Vince Man interrupted the three... And basically told him to get the fuck over it. That that's not how it works. And another person that's been demanding a lot online for another chance, Naomi, was giving a championship shot against Oscar. Um, and they both had a good match. Oscar uh, defeated Naomi, but they they kept on getting it where Naomi would get into the Oscar lock and then get herself out of it. And they had good chemistry. Now, Naomi should be one of their, just like Sasha, just like a lot of other Bailey. Um, should be one of the people that they should keep definitely in the mix for the title. Alexa Bliss, certain people that have qualities. And Naomi's is her charisma and her in-ring quality. She's a great athlete. Um, Chris, uh, how did you like the rally? How did you like Becky Lynch being the man? Uh, Vince telling him to quit being brats and get the fuck over it and, you know, having uh, Naomi go in the match and then Naomi losing to Oscar. Tell me how you felt about it.
3: Uh, the new day segment was hilarious during the meeting. I agree. Uh, I thought every, I thought the lead up with, uh, Becky calling out Ronda was fine. Obviously Rhonda's not there, which will be the response from Rhonda on raw more than likely. Uh, and then setting up the match going into that, it was good to see Naomi in the ring with Oscar. I thought it was a good match overall. Uh, yeah, the, the weirdest thing about this is that Paige is relieved of her duties. So, what is she going to be doing, especially with the lead up to the big film that they're putting out, specifically about her and her family? So, that's all interesting stuff. But, yeah, I I, I like the beginning of this, uh, of SmackDown thus far, especially in comparison to Raw.
1: Yeah, apparently, Shane, and he didn't really go into it, but Shane said that she would have a similar role, but it wouldn't be. She wouldn't. I, I have no idea what the fuck it means. My guess is that if they're still babying Alexa, maybe they'll represent the women's divisions and be, I have no clue. They'll, they'll, they'll probably figure it out. They're, they're fucking riding off the seam of their pants, which is different. Well, actually no, the same, but in a different direction than they normally go. Um, this is a funny segment, because it cut, partially because it's so damn awkward, uh, more so than those awkward doctor visits that you've got to deal with. If you don't take our amazing sponsor with Blue Chew, by the way. So I'll throw it out there. But uh, The Miz knocked on the door of the McMahon's dressing room, which Vince McMahon answered. Miz asked for Vince's blessing uh, to tag with Shane McMahon. Vince refused. I've never given anyone a blessing. Never done that. Like, I really believe that even Triple H and Stephanie, he didn't even give them a blessing. Uh, but I, I thought this was kind of cute, kind of going tiptoeing that line, but not going fully directly, like, derogatory or anything like that. Uh, so Vince refused, but instead set up a tag team match later that night for Vince for Miz to prove himself. Um, yeah. And then Jeff Hardy said he's made mistakes in the past, but that's his past. He then called out Samoa Joe. Joe hit the ring and said everyone is worried that Hardy will fall back into his past issues. Joe started to walk away, uh, but then Hardy made a comment about, like, Really? You're going to come here when you've been here for two years and you haven't won one actual world title? Uh, then they got into it. Joe tried to go after him, and Hardy turned it into a twisted of faith. Hardy and Joe will continue their feud. Uh, and then The Miz and um, Mandy Rose defeated R-Truth and Carmella. Mandy Rose distracted Carmella and R-Truth, allowing The Miz to hit the skull-crushing finale for the pinfall victory. And, um, Corey acts more creepy about Mandy Rose than he ever has beforehand. And by the way, even though it's a whole character thing, Corey's married in real life. So that even makes it more creepy.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: So how did you like the whole Miz and Vince segment, Chris, Jeff and Samoa Joe, and then the mixed match challenge. Oh wait, that wasn't the, 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 whatever the tag match.
3: The Miz segment was fine. It was a good little comedy moment between Miz and McMahon. I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, the Jeff party and Samoa Joe, I think that feud's continuing to build. It would be good. I actually like that they're dragging it out, and we haven't seen a, uh, a straight up on this. It was good to see Jeff get the better of Samoa Joe in this, because you know Samoa Joe is going to come back uh, stronger. So. Uh, the next one would be The Miz and Mandy Rose defeated R-Truth and Carmella, uh, the mixed tag team match. It's really weird because you just had R-Truth and Carmella win this giant tournament, and then you just had them lose the very like the night after. So that was fucking weird, but uh, outside of that, I mean, the match was okay for what it was. Uh, decent for The Miz, I guess he's doing something with Shane McMahon in the future, which I'm not looking for. like it's a waste of
1: Me neither. I don't really care about it. Uh, All right, so the Usos uh, went against Gallows and Anderson, and they were having a decent match, and it was basically for number one contender. Usos came out, you know, and were trying to call out, I believe, the New Day, and, you know, Gallows and Anderson were like, wait, what about us? We haven't even been on TV in, like, a month. I think it was longer than that. Either way, while their match was going on, the bar came out, interrupted it, but Sandy came through the crowd and attacked the Usos and Gallows and Anderson before – They could do anything. After Sandy laid everyone out, the bar finished the job and showed off their titles. Uh, After that, we had Shinsuke versus Rusev for the U.S. title chip announced for next week. It's already been recorded. We know the outcome of that. Um, As well as Jeff Hardy versus Mojo. So I'll be on next week's uh, Christmas Day Smackdown episode. Um, But I had Rusev in the back. Being charismatic as shit, uh, saying that, that, that Shinsuke looked like a Sonic the Hedgehog, which is pretty funny because he kind of does in that suit. And then later, Shinsuke was trying to, like, throw shade at Rusev by showing, like, funny stuff that he's done from Total Divas, like saying that he only likes to uh, f- to the lawn in a uh, in a thong because he wants to get his legs tanned or whatever. They actually made him look even more funnier. I really love Rusev. Should be a good match, Whatever. How'd you feel about tag match, and how'd you feel about the announcement for Shinsuke versus Rusev for the U.S. title, and Jeff Hardy versus Samoa Joe next week?
3: Normally, I uh, crap on these big interferences and in tag matches, but the, the SmackDown tag di- uh, division is pretty good, and I like seeing Sanity be brought back into the fold. So that intrigues me, to see maybe Sanity versus the bar, or Sanity slowly taking up the episodes, or um, the New Day, for us. So I liked that. Uh, Nakamura versus Brusev. It's going to be interesting. I think Nakamura will probably retain the title, and it's hard to care about something that hasn't been on any pay-per-view or TV in recent months. Uh, it was a funny program, uh, promos. There were some funny promos there with Brusev. Uh, Nakamura's little PowerPoint presentation. But outside of that, nothing right hopefully. not.
1: All right, so commentary uh, before the match announced that uh, Mustafa Ali is now a permanent member of the Smack team, SmackDown Live roster, which is a good get. Um, I really like Mustafa Ali. AJ Styles and Mustafa Ali defeated Dan O'Brien and Andrade and Ali pinned Brian after hitting the inverted uh, 450 splash, um, and Styles took out Almas with the phenomenal forearm to set up the victory. It was a damn good match back and forth. Uh, It looks like we're going to be seeing Ali and Almas in a feud, and obviously AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan are in a feud. So, good matches from here on out. Uh, Good out of talent. How did you like that last tag match, Chris?
3: I enjoyed it. I thought it was a it was a fun mix-up, and I liked that they you know that's how they introduced Mustafa Ali being part of SmackDown by putting him in a a high-profile match. Uh, What I will say is. Hopefully, it's not Mustafa Ali versus Andrade almost because I see much more potential in him. And it's nothing against Mustafa Ali. I just feel like that once you're kind of on 205 live, that's kind of where you get relegated on the roster. And I think that uh, Andrade Cianamos could be a top heal and pushed right. Um, so, outside of that, the match was really good, it was enjoyable to watch. Uh, and overall, it, w- it was actually a really good SmackDown. Like, I didn't really have as many problems. Raw. And he had four matches on SmackDown and five matches on Raw. So, uh, that kind of sums yeah. it up a little
1: Yeah. Well, seriously, it seems like they're doing something with... I don't think they're going to do anything that drastic, but Mustafa Ali's now got a win against the champion. So that... Uh, I don't know. That That's good. I'm glad that they're. I'm seeing Andretti, and I'm glad that they pulled up Mustafa Ali. They're good at... Uh, people to have on SmackDown for sure because they're match quality um, either way final question and I'll kind of like give my answer and then give it to you and you can say goodbye to the audience it's my opinion if this will be changes with Ron SmackDown like look this could definitely be just them kind of giving us whatever you know telling us that they're going to do something and then not actually having those ambitions Vince goes back to doing what he always does no matter what But, unfortunately, and what we have to do as an audience is give it a chance And in a month and a half then maybe reevaluate what we want to do as fans and if we want to watch the product. Anyone out there that's hate-watching, that's your fucking fault. You're wasting your own goddamn time. And anyone that wanted it to happen the night of, I I don't understand what, you know, I, I feel like people nowadays, it's very hard to please them. And I wouldn't want to be involved in any type of a situation like that because of that. I hope Raw gets better. Um, I don't know if it will. SmackDown won't have to worry about it. But we got 60 seconds to finish this up, and I know I'm not giving Chris enough time, unfortunately, but I'll let him give a little bit of his input and say goodbye to all you wonderful people. So without further ado, Chris.
3: I think it's going to be more of the same. I don't see much changing until Roman Reigns gets back. And this was just the same thing as a roster shakeup, where they're bringing people next to you up to the main roster. That being said, you guys have a great night, and you can hit me up at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter with any questions and comments about the show. I'd love to talk to you guys. Have an awesome week. And check
1: out our website at gvnation.com for all of our social media platform, our news, and everything else. Check us out next week Wednesday for another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You guys have a good one. Merry Christmas.
2: And that's the bottom line, just don't go, us go. Let the GeekFiles be with you, and peace out.